What's up, everybody? What, I mean, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Eric Anders Lang Show, brought to you with kind consideration from Precision Pro, makers of the best rangefinder on the planet, which you can get at precisionpro.com slash... Precisionpro.golf.com. Precisionpro. Gotta, gotta sneak that little golf in there, precisionprogolf.com, and then use the code Eric. Spell it right, guys. Spell it right, with a Q. <laughs> I... Silent Q. I um er, Eric. E- Eric, he's from Montreal, or he's moving there soon. Is that I, you? T- I will you let me Montreal. know. Um. Anyway, yeah, please thank, you. please and thank you, Precision Pro. Uh, thank you for supporting the people that support us. And gosh, I want to thank the masters. Yeah, I would like to thank. Is it a committee? <laughs> is it a membership? I think it's like a it's like a being an academy of motion arts and pay. I don't. I, all I don't know is I'd like to thank the hallowed ground. Um, I'd like to thank Bobby Jones, Sir Alistair McKenzie, and a little man. Not only he wasn't little, but someone named Clifford Roberts. He was kind of a he was kind of a behind the scenes guy. He was the guy, Cliff Roberts. Yeah, and and you notice every detail going around. We're gonna get into the specifics, but before we even even enter in that conversation. A week and a half ago, I was not planning on going to the Masters necessarily. And I cannot imagine being the person I am today then. Yeah, I I mean, I guess I'm curious to know, like for me, when I went to the Masters, when I went to Augusta and when I saw it, I felt like I belonged in golf. Does that, was that a takeaway for you? Yeah, you're almost taking... I'm not saying the words out of my mouth. <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry. To be honest, let me work on a new take. No, to, no. To be honest, to like, be, was that your take? To be very honest. There was. It's not a. It's not validation. It's not something else. But, and I wrote about this. It's this feeling that some place that you never ever ever consider you'd ever go, and then when you're there, you're interacting with it in such a physical way. You're walking alongside the fairways. You're smelling you know, the azaleas, and all of a sudden something clicks and you go, okay, I'm in golf. It's, yeah. it's happened. And I, I wanted to ask you, we didn't really get a chance to talk about last week, what was it like the very first time you ever went to the Masters? Can you remember? Yeah, I was with Stuart and like six other dudes that were all like crazy. And um, we none of us had a ticket. <laughs> we like thought we would get we were like we all were like confident that we could like scrounge and i think the first time i ever walked in was when we bought a ticket from someone walking out at like 4 p.m and we could only get one and so i ran in and went straight to amen corner and i cried and it was the end of the day where there's no play it was just like sunset like a park and then i quickly walked out gave Stuart the ticket he walked in he cried I met me back outside, <laughs> and then we went out. Um, I, I listened to your advice, and on the last day of the tournament, I, I had to go catch a flight. So I didn't get to see the leaders. I didn't get to go see Rom and Kepka walk up 17 and 18 because I was running from the – not no running, no running. No running. Walk, walk with purpose. Only. Walk with purpose. Walking with purpose from the 16 grandstand, which might be the best spot to watch golf. I'll, I'll have a couple of thoughts about that later. And I could have cut straight through. But the sun was was coming down nicely, and it had approached golden hour. And I said, I could probably get around. So I turned back away from the leading group, <laughs> so no one around, and I traced 
the length of 13, 12, 11, oh, wait. 10. You walked backwards through Amen Corner after the last group had gone through on Sunday. A, a tsunami of, you know, belts and pants and collared shirts heading the other direction. And I just wanted to take a walk about. And I got to have that moment. Because you know that spot on 12, the crux of 12. Yeah. Now you can't actually see the T-Box of 13 from there because they bumped it back up. So in some ways, it's it's even beautiful because it looks like it slopes off into infinity, into the horizon. And the light through those trees behind 12 seeps down. And yeah, I, I cried. I, I missed it up. It's interesting that the course is more powerful without anyone on it. It is. It absolutely is. It it has this like also it's it's great to be there amongst a crowd. Um, but there's something very special about being in cause cause the, the, the painting as the solo kind of journey journeyman, you're like alone. And like golf is a is a, the ironic thing about golf is that you can play with other people, but you're playing alone. Golf is always a lonely sport in some respects, but it, the fact that you find so many people through it yeah. is, is something beautiful that we've always felt about the game and obviously obviously how we feel about Random Golf Club. By the way, nice t-shirt behind you. You like that? It, it looks nice this from over new. here. It's a good color. A green, good color. I've been thinking about this it. Is the, I heard this is the new Masters colors. Is that, You think so? Okay, <laughs> yeah. that's the cease and desist t-shirt. I, th- I think going back to that though, it's like, the idea that like golfers need golf buddies is because it's such a lonely game. Like because you could go play alone. Anyway, I, I just think it's really so. So that's cool that you had like a profound moment with the course. I got to have that, and in some ways, the whole week was a slow build. Um, you were talking about the first time you ever went and scrounging for tickets. So every single day I went to the Masters, my ticket got better. <laughs> it it was it was kind of almost at the end. It was a parody of itself. I went in the first day courtesy of you and of course our friend Landon Brand Evangelist um, who just like, you guys were able to go out and like bring me in on a practice day. And we walked, or yeah, that was right, yeah, practice day. And we walked around, we met some people. It was amazing. Um, the next day I went in, I had the member guest. Oh, that's a nice one. Badge. That's a good one. And um, we went around, we went around the part three course. I went in one of the cabins. Oh, wow. That place, the... Am I allowed to talk about this? I'm not going to name any names, obviously, or anything. I met some lovely members. They were all very kind and hospitable. I went and used the bathroom in the cabin, oh, and wow. the waste basket was Augusta Nationally, Augusta National branded. <laughs> the soap had Augusta National on it. The, the towels, pumper. The, the, the pump, the, pump, yeah, the, the it, porcelain the, pump, the porcelain pump that was like um, magnolia scented infused yeah. matches. Everything. It was like what, what factory are they? pumping this out of and is this the only thing that does i think it just comes out of the ground did you see the amount of um, merch it move, they move every year the number no how did you see that uh, there, there were a couple articles that came out over the oh, weekend really? you, what you i remember you estimated at what do you think per per for the week um dollar of product they move i thought i heard like 40 70 this year Jeez. 70 that's 10 million a day for those keeping track at home a little more for tournament week that's a lot yeah so that was that day. And then the next day um, was, was the day when the, the rain came down and the trees broke. And I was on 12 for that. So the trees broke on 16. 
I was on 12. I had got out earlier that day, put my little folding chair down, and Tiger was on 11. Ooh. And Tiger made his putt on 11. Everyone went crazy. I'm on 12. I'm like, I'm going to see Tiger. Oh, no, and then he got pulled. He walked up the tee box. Horn came off. Oh, no. So he's walking. I'm I'm like, oh, no. And then I went to a uh, just a little hidden bar behind um, 12. There's like an area where you can only go if you have the right badge. At this point, I've fully acclimated. I'm like, I belong there. You're like, I'm I'm a member? Yeah, I'm a member, and I'm not leaving this course. They're going to have to drag me off this course. So I go there. And I'm talking to some people, meeting friends, some people I've never met before. Um, kind of all talking about Random Golf Club. Everyone's seen the Dunvegan shot. I love it. This, that, this was the week if you, they were like, what do you do? I'm like, I was uh, involved. You know, I was like, I existed when that happened. I'm part of the story here. Part of the story. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, obviously those trees. Did you see the footage? Did you ever get mm-hmm. to see that? Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. In the Masters, there's no telephones. There's no cell phones. Mm-hmm. So hearing about that was a ridiculous game of guessing and rumoring. Oh, interesting, right? Because even if you were, you know, one hole away, you would have no way of knowing what happened. Yeah, when oh, the people who were one hole away, they thought it was a really good birdie putt. And then they were like, "That the, the, the cheers sound a little weird, so was it like maybe a live player? <laughs> no way. Yeah. It was a scary, it was a scary excitement. Yeah, and then a member came by. And for some reason, if you remember, I guess people just think you're omnipotent like or, or omniscient, that you know everything at all times. Yeah. And and he was like... Maybe they have phones. I've, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what I can say, but I saw one or two phones during the course of the week. I mean, it would make sense. Yeah, I think they, I think they have to. I don't think they're just allowed to have them on grounds yeah. like around it. But he was like, yeah, two trees came down and they're worried like, you know, people were running toward them to pull people out from it. And so I was like, oh my God this is going to be a really big deal. And then a third person, and, and it kind of just spread around. And again, you're in this medieval village. Yeah. There's no way of communicating with each other unless you have a carrier pigeon yeah. or a shorthand radio, which, by the way, isn't allowed in the Masters. Yeah, no communication devices. So that was Saturday, and then I came back Sunday, and I will say someone, someone helped me out, and a Berkman's pass wow. was put around my neck. So you seeing what I'm saying with the progression? Yeah, I just, I mean, the next thing is you're just going to, you're going to be a member soon. I mean, the next thing is I'm teeing it up. Yeah. I'm on one. I'm like Bryson. I'm pulling a long iron. It'd be sad if they blew the horn when you were on one. <laughs> You'd rather it be Tiger, right? Um, here's a question for you. That's a, yes, I'd rather it was Tiger. <laughs> uh, here's a question for you. Would you rather um, have two U.S. Opens or one Masters? What? Like if I was a pro golfer? Yeah, a pro golfer. Yeah, one Masters. One Masters. Three U.S. Opens? One Masters. One PGA Championship, one U.S. Open, one British Championship, or a Masters. The rest of the Grand Slam, or... The, and this is all you'll ever win. I mean, the sad thing is... Um, well, you look at... that. There's Danny Willard versus Rory. Oh, that's an interesting <laughs> Well, in a vacuum. In a vacuum. Yeah, I think I'd rather have the other three at that point. Because the Open is pretty dope. It would hopefully be a good year for the PGA because you never know. Yeah, true. And again, you you would hope the U.S. Open was like at Pebble or, you know, Beth Page. I, I don't know. Something about that lifetime exemption. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching Larry Mize tee it up for an entire day because I was following Harrison Crow around. Yeah. Wow. That's what was an inches. Minwoo Lee, Harrison Crow, and Larry Mize. I mean, the ideal, but the ideal role at the Masters is the marker. 
Oh, the uh, Mike Ware? Yeah. No, no. Um, Jeff Knox. Jeff Knox. Who was recently replaced yeah. by, by, I don't know by Mike Ware. Yeah. Because yeah, I watched... He's a pro. Oh. No, Mike, no, Mike oh, Weir Oh, sorry. Mike, Mike Weir was playing with the marker. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I, don't I don't know the know, new marker. I don't know the name either. That was fun was to like, watch. I too. can't believe you just called Mike Weir a marker. <laughs> <laughs> That's so intense. Oh, no. Sorry. Um, what a what a just way to dig it. He's just someone. a lefty man. That's all. He's a Canadian lefty. That's all. I remember when he showed up because I was on Amen Corner for that, and yeah. the marker came up, and he looked so intense. I think it was his first year. Yeah, I, think I can't remember, but yeah, Jeff Knox would always get around in like low seventies, like no worries. So, um, so like, what was the biggest kind of like thing that you? were wrong about oh that's such a good question the 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 preconception i had that was most proven wrong yeah yeah um specifically this week i thought people would be more rambunctious around the live players oh yeah no total respect yeah and patrick reed was getting was getting rewarded verbally for he he played very well i think he's top top 10 um that's like a very golf thing to say personally speaking i thought i thought it would be less egalitarian right more like you can't go here blah yeah. blah blah yeah i mean the golf i went to the match play two weeks ago oh yeah all sorts of areas where you can't go is there's actually no way to watch golf without you know working for microsoft for the last 40 years or developing an <laughs> app that helps you you know f- store shit or something the grandstand behind 14 in the match play or 13, you know, the short part four, the, the one that you always drive the green on. Yeah. Um, the grandstands behind it, you can't go in. Yeah, it's because it's, a, it's just a big corporate prison. And, you know, in the Masters, what, do you remember which seats the members are reserved for members? Um, there are seats reserved for the members? The back row of every grandstand you're just supposed to leave it open. Oh, I didn't numbers. know. But that's not necessarily the best seats in any way at all. No. It's just like a respectful thing that people do. Mm. And that doesn't even begin to get into the whole folding chair situation. Explain the folding chair situation because I spent all week gaming out the folding yeah. chair situation. Yeah, I mean, the folding chair situation <laughs> is truly an experiment in like humanity, trust, uh, sh- you know, commune living, shared resources, Um and 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 golden rule kind of thing you know um there's only one type of chair allowed into the masters which has been made in several different decades and it's a master's chair uh, it's green and you can bring in two maximum yep. yep and um you know if you're if you're smart and if you've had an early night you're going to show up at uh what i think 7 30 they allow you in or 8 30 or something i did 7 15 because they actually opened up a little bit earlier yeah so you so you're at the gate, you're waiting, you're with a crowd of a couple hundred people, and then they open the gate and you're allowed to walk, not run. They will tell you not to run. You're also not allowed to lay down on the on the ground. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't see anyone laying down. Yeah. I, I did actually and I almost said something and then I was like, you know, not my not my uh not my uh not my <laughs> clown, not my rodeo. The first day we're walking through I think we walked past sixteen and Eric is just kind of watching me watch the course. And then he goes, you know, you'll never see a pine cone. <laughs> <laughs> we immediately saw like six pine cones. Yeah, he like stepped on one as he was saying. Yeah. Oh man, what a year. Um, but 
yeah. So anyway, you bring the chair, um, and you know, you the cool the 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 cool part of the story hasn't even been said yet, which is that you bring the chair to wherever you want, and there's areas specifically. You can't just put it anywhere, but there's like specific areas for chairs, and you put your chair down, and you can sit in it, or you can leave it there and come back. And in the time that you're not sitting in it, someone else can sit in it, and you just tap them on the shoulder when it's time, you know, that you want to sit in it again. Yeah, and people respect that. <clears throat> it's incredible. It really feels like it. The thing that I saw this year at the Masters that was different than any other year I've been. This is my fourth year. I've seen it uh, with my like one day badge with Stuart crying, you know, on our own, and then I've seen it as a member of the media. Um, and you know, this year I just saw a bunch of people that um, have a lot in common. Interesting. How do you mean? Besides, like outside of they just love golf. It's more than loving golf. It's believing that this is important, and 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 really, it's so. It was it was the two two things I really saw was one, here is whatever who knows fifty thousand people or something, all together all together, right? And at every other golfing event I've ever been to, it does not feel that way. It feels like here is 50,000 people sort of at the mercy of the brand and your badge and your ticket and all that stuff. And like, you know, I mean, even at the Masters, these different tickets, like they don't really change the experience that much. It's so true. Like I've had a Berkman's Pass. I've been in the clubhouse. I've played Augusta. But like, eh, really? The basic patron pass which you can buy on the sidewalk, you can buy from StubHub, or you can get a lottery ticket, or you can get, a, you can get um, if you're a PGA professional, you can get um, access to tickets as well. So it's like the basic entry has everything you need. You could not be more right. The Berkman's very cool. Very cool. Very cool. I got, you know, rowing it on the putting greens. That's really cool. Yeah. The buffet style thing. But it does feel like adult daycare and that it's like a place to park you. And it's, I, I was there and I had like an ice cream sundae, right? And I was like, okay, this is this is a unique experience, but I want to get out on the course. The light's starting to get nice. Well, I mean, I had the pass and you watched me say, I don't need to go there. Actually, very specifically, you're like, yeah, I'll pop in for 35 minutes. But like, I yeah, I don't even care. Yeah. But I think it, it, what's so interesting about it is that it's like at its basic level, it gives you what you need. And here's all these people who, I guess in my opinion, my real thing was like, wow, these are all people who would love a meetup. No matter what, they would love this idea of being together on the golf course because that's why they're here. None, very few, I would imagine like maybe a, a crazy minority live nearby. And so that was one thing I saw. And the other thing I saw was this real like, connection between the stories of Augusta and the stories of the masters and their like synergy and the way it's grown over time and the way they've really created a strong brand around something we believe in, even down to the, my favorite thing I saw this week was the display case um, of all of the collaborative products at uh, the masters throughout the years. Did you see that? Yeah. Are you talking about the, the one that was in Berkman's? Yeah. Yeah, so was that the gifts that they did? 
Yeah, so basically uh, the club sends out gifts to all the players and it had this display case of the last, you know, nine decades of gifts and like one of them was an answering machine, like a wood paneled plastic answering machine that says AT&T Masters. Yeah, there's like a letter from Ben Crenshaw and he yeah. was like, thank you very much for the um, al- alarm steak clock knives. radio. Yeah, oh, the oh alarm no, radio. Yeah, 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 the steak knives and then there was one, the alarm clock radio to make sure I don't miss any more tea times. <laughs> Dude, it was crazy. And then they had like uh, a first aid kit, like full yeah, chock full so of like cool. Band-Aids, Neosporin or whatever it was back in the 70s. But on the outside, it's this beautiful like Augusta National or Masters. I actually can't remember what this logo it was, but like, and then it just made me think of Kith and like, uh, you know, this collab culture that we live in. Like, you know, Malvin just did a collab with Undefeated and it's like, it really like, the masters may have invented the collab and this idea that like even back in its origin where it's like Clifford Roberts, Bobby Jones, Alistair McKenzie, three people all good at different things created one thing together that has now come to define like heaven in golf. And it's not even about the exclusivity of playing Augusta national, although that does play a part in like this lore because when you go there for the Masters, it's actually the opposite story. It's oh my god, I've seen this on TV. Like this is yeah. this is my I I have a part of this place. In fact, if you they sold seventy million dollars worth of product, I mean that's like I don't know how many that's that's a million people bought something, and you can't buy it online. So this idea that like all of a sudden we take a piece of this thing home with us, whether it's in a shirt or a first aid kit or a story or a picture from the practice rounds, I mean. It's intact, man. Yeah. How funny was it that the polo you cho- you chose to wear to Augusta was the one of the postcards? I mean, was that a conscious decision you made or just kind of subliminally? Because it, 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 obviously, I, you know, I wrote about the analogy to it because it struck me in a particular way. But there is a perpetual sense of deja vu walking around Augusta National. For sure. Yeah, well, you've seen it. I mean, you're, you're literally experiencing a record. Like, but... Everything that you don't see when you close your eyes is there now. And yeah, I mean, I wore the postcard polo because honestly, I like, I was just curious to see like if it was, I, I, some, when we got the postcard polo, I was like, I don't know if this is like cool or not. I can't tell, but everybody loved it. So I'm like, this is cool. That's how that works. I was basically just doing like market research. (laughs) It is a great place to focus group. Um, so we have questions. We yeah, we, we did a little Q&A. Do good questions? Yeah, let's do a couple um, just to give you a rundown kind of what's going on this week. Otherwise, we got a YouTube video that um, dropped today. So thanks to Grant Horvat for coming on the channel. Yeah, if you ever wanted to review swings from uh, movies and TV, Grant Horvat breaks them down. It's actually really interesting. I watched it last night. It was very entertaining. It's funny because he hasn't seen any movies or TV shows, but I think he, was, he left with a homework list, um, which was incredible. Okay. I got some questions for you. Okay. Oh, <laughs> this isn't about the masters. Some uh, Jay Samuel said, "What are your top three Zen flavors?" It's just a nice, easy. I mean, you, I don't. Did you bring any Zen into the masters? I don't. Uh, I mean, you know, I don't. Uh, I don't publicly, you know, condone that. No. But I would go citrus chill, and then maybe spearmint, if if I was, you know. But thanks, Jake, for the question, and obviously six millies. Oh, this I is buy a... a log at a time. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> this is a this is a really interesting question. How much would you pay to play Augusta again? 
Hmm. It's a sad question, actually. Yeah. I don't think I would want to pay that much. Yeah, that's 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 the answer. Hundred bucks. If you pay after a certain point, if you're paying a certain amount, then it's it feels it makes the experience transactional. Yeah, I mean, like I was. It's funny because when I did play, it was uh, the lottery, the Masters, the media. I was like chosen, basically, and you know, someone I was with was like, "Well, you know, I'd rather like play with a member." And I was like, I don't know about that. I'd rather play with three guys or women who have like earned this, who have worked for this, who have given their lives to sort of the storytelling of the game. I mean, the whole name Amen Corner was coined by a writer, by a journalist. So these journalists have a great responsibility in bringing the game to you, us, me. And... um the idea that I like played through that work, I couldn't think of a better way to play. I played with three other guys, one from England, one from Sweden, and one from Augusta. Brian Mull had lived in Augusta his whole life, had a fucking huge lip in the whole round. Couldn't believe he was playing. And he shot like 74, dude. He was a good player. He wore like brown jeans and a, and a black raincoat, and he was just, we were all just stoked. We weren't supposed to be there, you know? And, um, yeah, I don't think, I don't know if I even need to go back. Interesting. Like go back and play, you mean? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, at that point it's kind of like, what kind of society am I in anyway? Yeah. I think about that a fair bit with the true bucket list courses. Like, am I playing it? Cause I'm like, that was good golf and I'd like to go play a good golf course again. Or are you playing it for that, that Hajj, that pilgrimage aspect to, yeah. to have that experience? Well, and also for me, like, this may sound weird, but, like, I played it under perfect conditions. It was rainy and foggy and cold. And, like, I don't know if I'd want to play on, like, a bright summer day at 10 a.m. Like, I don't know. I mean, I played the old course four times. And, like, that first time was, like, constantly intense. You're, just, you're such a Scottish golfer at heart. It's ridiculous. Just a Lynx guy. Unbelievable. Well, and that's the first time I played the old course was like, it started off sunny, and then it turned into like sideways hail, and then it ended sunny again with the sunset, like right at sunset. You know, I saw every single particular kind of climate over the last week <laughs> up close. It's coming down sideways. Yeah. You, that's another thing. When it rains hard on a golf course on TV, you can't tell. Yeah, it just looks like whatever. Yeah. Yeah, they should they should like have a measurement tool. Just hire someone to come to your house with like a water gun. Yeah, how wet are you? Just um, we we had a lot of these kinds of questions. I'm I'm just gonna boil it down to uh to this one, which was which was asking um breaking Augusta National when. Wow, breaking breaking Augusta. Wow, I mean. Um, bolder things have been dreamt and come true. When? I don't know. But hopefully before I die. Yeah. Um, I'm optimistic. Uh, we are not going to announce it on this podcast, but stay tuned to the feed. In the next couple of weeks, we will be announcing our biggest, brightest, best-breaking series ever. And um, to find out how you can get involved, stay tuned. 
new breaking series. That's going to be exciting. Yeah, I cannot wait. A couple of people saying that shirt is so good. That's cool. Um, here's an interesting one. This comes from Jamie. Has the Masters slash Augusta National opened up the game or created a bigger divide? Um, I mean, the only negative that I guess you could potentially say about the Masters and Augusta National breaking up the game might be you couldn't even really properly attribute it. Um, I, I would actually say America has broken up the game. Um, if you've been lucky enough to travel to the UK, um, you would see that like golf there, you know, more or less anyone can play. It grows naturally. There's no sprinklers on North Berwick. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, it just grows and like anyone can play. Um, choke up a couple hundred pounds if you're not a member or join and it's still a couple hundred pounds. So um, Augusta didn't make any mistakes there. Augusta just created a brand that's intact and that we all love. So, you know, um, yeah, I, we've already kind of talked about this yeah. a little bit, but I think, yeah, when golf came to America, it became private, it became exclusive, it became, you know, f only four titans of industry. And, you know, back when balls had to be made with a needle and a thread and a piece of leather and some feathers, like, you know, I mean, they had to, they imported pros from the UK to make golf equipment. And that, and that's part of why golf was so expensive in the early days. So I, I don't think Augusta has any part to play in that. This is from Colby. It's kind of an, an interesting one we can talk about for a quick second. How restrictive was it actually when you were trying to get content while there? An industry question. Um, I mean, you know, like the only request that they make is like, don't, shoot video um but when i was there and i and i played the year i played in 2018 and won the lottery they were like hey look you're gonna go play group of 30 people sitting in that presser um on like friday afternoon and they were like hey you won the lottery here's the deal um you know you can rent clubs blah blah blah, blah but like don't you know this isn't for you to make content or write a story this is for you which was actually like both beautiful and like sad because of course I always want to record and like tell stories. Um, but you know, they, they were really clear that like, Hey, this is just about, you know, celebrating you as a member of the media, not, not for you to write a story and you know, whatever. And I did anyway. And you know, it was fine. Yeah. And this time, I mean, honestly, anytime you're given a restriction, it, it often allows you to make more interesting content. It was so much fun doing the Kefir sandwich thing this year. Yeah, you guys did great with that. That was awesome. Yeah. I mean, Rick played, you know, and like, I remember he, he posted a video yesterday and he was like, on his channel, he was like, I played Augusta Lincoln bio. And I was like, did he get to shoot his yeah. round? And I almost flipped because that, I mean, that would be a huge deal. So last year, last year they did Dude Perfect. Which and that was really cool. It, which smashed. Yeah. People loved it. With and, Bryson. And people thought, um, people thought really well. Really I thought it was really cool. Like it's it's a way for, you know, like going back to the previous question, like it's a way to bring more people into the story of Augusta. And Dude Perfect did a great job of creating educational, like, you know, tidbits throughout the film. And it was cool to see Rick anyway. Like, I mean, him and Seb did like a little like I don't I didn't watch it honestly, but like I watched it. I scrubbed like, through it. They like talked about it and he took some photos. Yeah. Which is again, there's this reverence. To a place, you know, like has to be. you're a YouTuber and you're making a, a video about you playing, but you can't show it, but you still do it because you're, you're grinning. 
Yeah. You can't you can't handle it. Um, one more. What did you think of Sam Bennett, the amateur? Um, I mean, I did make a joke that he looked like he might be a pickup artist <laughs> with the uh, flavor saver. He's the one with the little. Yeah, he's got the little soul patch. Yeah, um, that was my joke. Um, I really like his golf swing. It seems like he's very, very flexible and not afraid to hit the ball. Um, incredible story. I mean, I don't know what amateur has finished lower than he did in yeah, recent years. I'd have to look it up. I knew that he was like one. He's he's the lowest am after two days in like forty years. That was the stat I saw. But it was more so like the freeness of what she was playing. Yeah. You know, just going out birdieing both the first two holes the second day when he was already four under or something. Um, playing with the best in the world right there, right through like right through the end. Yeah, of course he shot he he didn't compete on the last day necessarily, but he's still shooting around par. But that's the thing about Augusta is that like and I may get like chirped for this, but like it's it's genius, the layout and the design of the course, but it's also like not that hard. Like there's no rough, there's not a lot of water. Obviously there's some water in some places, mm-hmm. but only on like four or five holes. And like the fairways are pretty wide and certainly you can get upside down and you can get the wrong side of the hole, but like it's like pretty much in front of you and especially with it being soft all weekend, like it was interesting to see what happened on Sunday where it was like, oh, one of you won and the other one lost. Yeah. And that's where I go to this thing of the Masters is a ghost that if you're playing in it, you need to like really like make good with that like spirit kind of thing. Right, it's it's like it's like the idea of winning the Masters is much harder than playing well at Augusta. Oh, you're so right. Yeah, and and it is it is kind of haunting in that last sense, and it it really is fascinating to see people get around it. I had this moment on the 17 T box where just because of where I was the whole before, you get really close to the T box kind of by accident. And I was talking to Keffer about this, but Tony Finau, Tommy Fleetwood, and Jordan Spieth were teeing off. And they're about the distance I am from you. So pretty close. And you're so used to seeing golfers. Obviously, in our job, we get to meet them and we get to talk to them. But you're so used to seeing golfers in competition as specks in the distance or on TV. And you don't really get to see the the way that the sun has affected their skin. You know, they play outside for so long. You don't get to see having the fourth day the kind of weight um, yeah. in their eyes and they look so small up close yeah and they look so so much like they've walked the ends of the earth and so not tired but like everything's heavy and then they just attack that ball oh yeah 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 and this is and on sunday especially i mean they're like sunday it's like you know the fourth night <laughs> they're just like oh my god yeah and like the, the, the idea that it's like I don't know. Golf is such an unusual game because you have to stay so chill, but then you also have to like do something really, really hard. And like, I mean, imagine driving a golf ball with like all that pressure. 
I can't even a little bit. Last question, um, more so for me. Uh, what if someone were to make a movie about the Masters? Who's directing it, and what what is it about? Mm, Terrence Malick. Terrence Malick, favorite favorite of the channels. Yeah, love the you know Terrence Malick did um, Tree of Life, Days of Heaven, Days of Heaven, um, and um, Thin Thin Red Line. <laughs> thin Red Line. That's a great one. But what's the one about? Um, <clears throat> about uh, with um, oh, I'm blanking. I'm I'm sure not. Emilio Estevez's dad. Oh, uh, Martin Mar- Sheen. Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen and Sissy Spacek. Uh, the name of the movie was. I'm blanking. Oh. Out Badlands. Badlands, of course. Yeah, that's my favorite. Um, but it's all filmed at you know, Twilight. Uh, so yeah, Malik would del- would direct it, and then, who would be in it? No, just like what would it be about? I mean Freeman. Oh wow. Freeman would be playing. It'd be like a sequel to Shawshank. <laughs> Freeman's playing. And um what's the other guy's name in, in Shawshank? I can't uh, remember. Tim, Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins. Yeah. And t- <laughs> Tim Robbins is also escaping, actually. Yeah. Tim Robbins. He came up through the sub air system. <laughs> yeah, he's just like uh shaking Tim Robbins is the caddy and he's shaking out gravel from his caddy onesie. Um yeah, no, I think it's Tim and Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman both work there. Greenskeeping. I don't know. They're just friends and they work there. And every once in a while they get to play. And this is like the story of that. And it's just like it's just like walks. It's like it's like all of the patrons come and go and all the members come and go, but they are there every day. And they see this place differently. You know? And like, they just have this connection that is random. Random. Yeah, and one of them plays golf and the other doesn't, and it's sort of a Bagger Vance kind of thing. Okay, I see what you mean. So, so Morgan Freeman plays golf and Tim Robbins just doesn't. Yeah, I think I think Morgan's been there mm-hmm. for a long time, probably from Augusta, and I think he actually is from the South. And then um, Tim Robbins is like maybe brought into like. You know, I don't know, like maybe he's like uh, involved. Maybe it's a summer and Tim Robbins comes in to like build a new cabin or something. Yeah. Or he's like bumping up, bumping out 13. Yeah. He's like changing the course. Yeah. And Morgan Freeman's like, don't, wouldn't do that. Yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't move that tree. That's Tim's like, that's why not? And it's like Bobby's this tree. unlikely friendship where he doesn't <laughs> want to take advice from someone who doesn't know his field. But in fact, you know, Morgan Freeman knows, knows more about maybe everything. And that's what Tim's going to learn over the summer. All right. Well, we'll, we'll pen that up. <laughs> Fascinating idea. Yeah. Well, still, what would it be called? Um, it, would, it would have to be called like... Um, Could we call it Twilight or was there be a copyright issue there? <laughs> there just might be like a branding issue there. You get a lot of people going to that movie yeah. who, were, who, who, who knows. Maybe yeah. they'd, they'd love it. Maybe it'd be called... Um, Maybe it'd be called... Um, it could just be called The Shank Redemption. <laughs> I was going to say it could be called The Pimentos. The Pimentos. <laughs> uh, now, that just sounds like a heist. That's more in line with the, the movie I want to make. I wanna, I the Pimentos make. sounds like a pretty sick band. The Pimentos? It's a little cheesy. Yeah. Bobby G and The Pimentos. Um, okay, well, so now we're going to share uh, a conversation we have with Luke Adams. Kind of also, we're in a bit of a subdued nature today. It's been a long week. We're kind of still recovering. Um, and so we had a great conversation with Luke Adams 
uh, last week who was featured on our channel on Instagram when he made a letter to golf um, that that we really like felt resonated with us, um, Golf Diaries, local Austin guy, and really found something in his own golf game through the spirit of the game that really kind of revised his view on the world and the game and, and just wanted to kind of celebrate that. So Luke came in and um, please enjoy after a couple ads, uh, my conversation with Luke. It's, it's a very deep conversation. So really excited for that. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. They give you the best rate, whether you're buying for one or a family. And at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Honestly, this sounds too good to be true. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all of your existing contracts. contacts. Switch to Mint Mobile to get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. Go to mintmobile.com slash show. That's mintmobile.com slash E-A-L show. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash E-A-L show. Boom. Oh, you also get your plan and you, you get you get the uh, the plan shipped to your door for free. You go to a lot of concerts, JoJo? Yeah, I went to one um, last Friday. Really? It wa- Yeah, I did. It was in Austin, on, Texas. Let me see if I can guess. Let me see if I can guess. Do your absolute best. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> inside joke sorry thank you gametime.co yeah or just go to the you know your app store whether it's iphone or google play and download the game time app because have you ever just been lying around on a friday night saturday night tuesday night monday night and you wanted to do something wherever you live and you're just scrolling on netflix you didn't have anything to do and you're like you know what i would love live music some sporting events something like that well, what I do is I go to my Game Time app, and it just tells me what's going around in the area and gives me the cheapest tickets. And you can go like that night. And what's funny actually is I, we just got to Atlanta, and I did look. We got in on uh, Friday night. We were free, and we were literally going to go to the Lakewood Amphitheater because we were looking at the Game Time app. We didn't end up going, but we were going to maybe go see Alabama. Oh, that would see do, that. Can I just play? Yeah, you know, play, do, play another. Do you know one, what the Alabama, Alabama I, song is I, in my head? Oh, which one would you be playing? Oh, it's so good. Ready. This is this could be if I had to pick a song to like only listen to for the rest of my life. Interesting. You, I would not say it would be an Alabama song, but yeah, it's I this love one. this. It's this one. So anyway, Game Time's got it all. And what's really cool about Game Time is that right now, if you download the app and create an account, if you use the code EAL show, you can get twenty bucks off your first purchase. So basically. If you're listening and you ever have thought about liking music in a way where you would go to a concert, I'm about to give you 20 bucks. So just go to Game Time app in the App Store or the Play Store or wherever you go and use the code EAL show for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Uh, last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Yeah. Very cool product. $20, by the way, that's enough for a ticket. You could go see a concert tonight for free if you go download it right now. I mean, if you really think hard about it, $20 is a lot. You can do a lot of things with that. We talked about a snake eating itself yesterday, didn't we? In Ouroboros? Yeah. That's what that is. Are you there for that? You, no, I wasn't. 
Yeah. What were you talking a snake eating itself about? Adventures in golf. <laughs> mm, it is. Kind of is. Snake chasing its own tail. In the beginning, we found the stories. Now the stories find us. Mm. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. What an incredible segue into talking about Luke. In terms of? In terms of the stories finding us. Yeah. You, you um, Luke, you, you heard a story. And what was the story you heard? I guess it was my own story, really. Tell me more. Well, in March of 2020, my wife got diagnosed with stage two breast cancer. And, you know, that was a hell of a time for a diagnosis like that. Um, literally, I'd gotten laid off from my job two weeks before. She gets diagnosed and we're in the middle of a pandemic that we know nothing about. And so, you know, I spent my whole summer literally terrified that I was going to catch COVID and kill her because she was on chemo, immune compromised. There wasn't Paxlovid. There wasn't anything like that. And so I spent my entire summer just terrified that I was going to kill my best friend, that what was her family going to think? Like, what was I going to do? You know? And, you know, I needed this outlet. I needed to be able to get out of the house and do something. And that's where golf really like came into the picture for me. I've been playing golf for years, but it was just this whole thing of like, it was just an addiction. Like, I got to get better, got to get lower scores, got to hit more fairways, got to hit more greens, got to get better, got to get better. That's all it was. It was just an addiction, pure and simple. And then in March and April, from there, it was just like, no, this is my getaway. This is my, like, this is my safe spot. I can come out here in the world. I'm away from everybody. I'm not worried about COVID. Like, I'm just out here focusing on hitting a ball around. And that shifted my mindset to, oh, golf is like my meditation. It's where I can like tune out the world. It was, I mean, all summer, I just had these thoughts of like cancer, cancer, everywhere I go, cancer, COVID, cancer, COVID. But on the golf course, I'm not that good of a golfer. So I have to focus all my attention on hitting this little ball. And I realized that when I do that, I don't think about anything in the outside world. So golf is like my meditation. I just go out there and I don't think about anything but golf. And that's when I reached out to you guys in April of 2022. Uh, my wife had just got diagnosed with stage four cancer this time. Um, and it came back and it was real shitty. And I wanted to kind of tell my story about how golf helped me the first time around. And now it's helping me the second time around. I'm trying to like <clears throat> handle all that, right? It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And thankfully, I've had years to reflect on this. You've had about five minutes. So. Well, you're here because you told your story to our community. Um, we made a film with you, part of a kind of a golf diary, letter to golf kind of thing. Yeah. Because you felt like you had something to say. Um. I think we all could probably talk to golf more because ultimately you're just talking to yourself. Yeah. It's the best sounding board. I'm curious to know in those moments as golf was shape, shifting shape for you, what were the conversations 
between yourself and Luke like? I think when I would get out to the course, you know, I would check with Angie, my wife, and be like, hey, you doing all right? She'd be like, yeah, I'm doing good. And then like, I know she's doing good. And then it's like, okay, I can do this thing for me now. Um, I live my life for other people. Like that's just the type of person I am. That's my personality trait. I live my life for other people. And golf was kind of that one thing that I do just for me. It's not for anyone else. It is, I go out there and I don't focus on the world. I don't have any worries. And that's when I really started to feel that shift in golf was, oh, this is something I do just for me because everything else in my life I do for other people. And I love that. But golf is that one thing of like, oh, this is just for me. And realizing that completely changed my game. How? You know, it was just, it was more the realization that like, that golf is my meditation and I don't think about the outside world which shifted the game of golf for me because golf was always how low can I score? And now I realize that golf is a mental game. And so everything is golf. You know, everything that happens on the course is golf, whether it's the slow group ahead of you, whether it's, you know, the bad course conditions, the weird rando you got paired up with that won't stop talking, the thoughts you bring with you to the course, all of that is golf because if you let those get in your head, you're not focusing on your next swing. And so golf for me is not this game of how low can I score, but how well can I shut out the outside world and focus solely on my next shot? How old are you, Luke? 30. <clears throat> when you were 16, what was your deepest thought? Oh, shit. I thought I was deep at 16. Yeah, we all did. Yeah, thinking about love and life and sex and all those things. Like, I was like, oh, no, like, I I need this, like, big connection with you. Or actually, I don't need this connection with you. We can just have sex or we can just do this. Like, I was always just shifting my mind around to fit whatever narrative I wanted. Yeah. And now the narrative kind of comes to me and I see things a lot more clearly. Well, clearly. What do you mean? Just, I don't know, with with cancer, it just kind of opens up your mind a lot and you see the things that are really important. And I think the thing that's most important to me, it's like, all that really matters is what you do with your time here. And if you're happy and like happiness is really like at the end of your life, were you happy? Then you've kind of accomplished what you need to. And so now I see that clearly and I can live my life like like that. Right. So it's a game of happiness. It is a game of happiness. Absolutely. How do you define happiness? I think being able to just listen to yourself and hear yourself and tune out everything else in the world around you and focus on what you need to fill yourself. Hmm. I think that's happiness. It sounds kind of like peace almost, right? Or absolutely trying to trying to work around it, right? Like, like you know, I think a lot of people define happiness differently. Oh, absolutely, it's wide ranging, and it's just like golf; it means different things to different people. What would your superpower be? Oh shit. I'd love to be able to stop time. 
Mm. That'd be so cool. Just to be able to freeze time just for a minute. Why? Just think sometimes time moves too fast. The world moves too fast and you just want to live in a moment. If I could just stop time for a second and just live in a moment. Yeah. Just for a little bit longer. You know, that'd be nice. Like out on the golf course, you know, you just bang one right down the center of the fairway. And instead of just walking right down to it, just live in that moment, just stop time and just live there for a second. What do you think you have in common with other people who share that same superpower desire? I don't know. I think we all want a little extra control and we all want a little more time on this earth and a little more time of happiness. Um, <clears throat> one second processing. Um, what was the most surprising thing that occurred to you on the golf course? I think the feeling of getting it. And just having like this repeatable swing is like finding a repeatable swing is probably the most surprising thing because for years golf was just like, well, I hit a good shot and I have no idea what I did or I hit a bad shot and I have no idea what I did. And all of a sudden over these past few months, I've started to develop this just repeatable swing and it, it kind of just changed golf up for me a little bit. And, you know, I read Ben Hogan's five fundamentals and, he even has a part in there which says like the golfer that, you know, discovers a repeatable swing will relearn golf for the first time and will like re-experience golf for the first time. And that's kind of what it feels like. And it's such a cool feeling to be playing a sport for eight years. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is a different sport now. When were you happiest in your life? Oh, man, really, I've been ever since I met my wife, I've just been incredibly happy. Like so many good moments together, but she's just, you know, changed who I am as a person. And really, I mean, happiest day of my life is my wedding day, like far and away. Tell me about the day that you met her, though. We actually met online. Okay, Cupid. Let's go. Which is old school. Old school as hell. Um, but I liked Okay, Cupid rather than, you know, um, any of their swiping apps because it was, you had to write a paragraph about yourself. And so if anyone can write a paragraph about themselves, they know themselves a little bit, you know? Um, and so we went to Taco Moore on uh, the east side here in Austin. And uh, after that, we went back to my place and we put on, uh, just listened to some records, put on Bruce Springsteen, Dancing in the Dark, and that was our first kiss. Um, and was it a weeknight or a weekend? Oh, it was like during the day. It was like a <laughs> like a middle of the week, <laughs> like a Wednesday or something. I got off of work early. I was like, oh, I'm going to go on a date. <laughs> And then what happened next? Uh, we went on a second date to Moon Tower Comedy and then went on a third date. And then How many days in between your first and second date? Oh, it was just a few. It was one of those things of like, I know this person. And what, what really set me off was that she made me laugh. And I haven't had many girlfriends that can truly just make me laugh consistently. And so as soon as she was, you know, telling jokes that were just cracking me up, I was like, oh, this is... This is good. Like, I want to be with someone that makes me laugh every day. Do you remember the first time you played golf? I do. Was that, um, I mean, I played pitch and putt 
here in Austin, a little par three course most of my life, um, even as a kid, just gone out there and hit 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 balls and climbed up into the train track area, look for balls. And, you know, it was always so fun to me to find a golf ball in the woods for some reason. Um, but the first time I played golf was with some coworkers out at Hancock. Absolute disaster. Hooked instantly. I don't understand. If it was a disaster, why were you hooked? Oh, because I know I could get better. Hmm. And like, it, it just feels so good to improve at golf. And I have an addictive personality. I'm incredibly competitive. So golf is the absolute perfect sport for me. But then you transitioned. Exactly. Now, From what to what? I transitioned from, you know, this guy who just wants to get better and score lower to a guy that wants to, at the end of my round, I want to feel... I want to feel good and I want to feel like my next round is going to be really good. Like that's how kind of how I measure my success on the golf course now, because it used to just be score based. Like, Oh, I shot a one Oh eight. That's not great. You know, but now it's like, I'll go out and shoot a one Oh eight today. And I'll be like, all right, well that wasn't my best round, but man, my swing feels really good. And I feel really hopeful about my next round. Hope. Yeah. What's hope? Just optimism and Hopeful that things are going to work out, you know? Are you a stubborn person? I try not to be. I try to be very easygoing these days. There's not a, no reason to be stubborn anymore for me. What other games do you play? Uh, let's see. I play sand volleyball. Uh, I played soccer. And that's really about it for me. Don't sleep on Luke's soccer ability. I've seen him play. You guys have played? He plays goalie for us. Yeah. Second team all region in high school. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> It's not, but I don't know. he's still competitive <laughs> on the soccer field. There's um, still a little bit of that left. So you're um, the game, right? I'm interested in this game concept. Um, you've taken a game that we all understand to be one thing, and you're describing to me a new version of the game yeah. that I don't think is popularized. People don't say, hope you feel good off you leave the round. Yeah. They say, have a good round. What's the difference? I don't know. I mean, a good round is different things for different people. And I think that's a big thing for me is realizing that golf means completely different things to everybody. You know, I'm out there like golf is my meditation and I'm solely focused on my next shot. And my buddies are out there to have some beer, smoke some weed and like, you know, shoot the shit. There's people out there that are just there to like get a lower score. There's people out there that are for some reason, trying to get away from their wives or their family, you know, people trying to escape. Everyone's on the golf course for a different reason. And so, you know, for me personally, it's, I just want to go out there and feel good no matter what happens. Enjoy every moment out there. What's your favorite golf memory from last year? My wife and I went on our honeymoon to um, California and absolutely lucked into a round at Pebble Beach because I didn't want to stay there for three nights and pay a thousand dollars a night. And they said, well, you can call ahead, you know, a couple days before. And so we're sitting at the line hotel in Koreatown and I'm calling them up cause we're there in two days. And they say, Oh yeah, we actually have a tea time at 10 AM <laughs> book it. So playing Pebble beach is an experience, but, um, my favorite golf memory is being on the seventh tee, looking down at hundred yard par three. I've seen it on TV hundreds of times played it in video games over and over it was the one shot where i was like gotta do well i don't care how any other shot goes here but i care about this one shot 
and played it from the tips so I can say I played with from the pros play and stuck it to nine feet and did not make the birdie but hey I'll take a par and just a, a green on that hole because one of the guys in my group was an older guy steps up shank immediately right into the water not even close puts up another one shank right into the water puts his third 25 feet out and drains his triple bogey putt so he has a good story too but i like mine a little better the first time i played pebble um was on my 30th birthday with my father my brother and the author of zen golf have you read it no i haven't you should read it it was 12 years ago. It was a couple months after I got into golf. Maybe a year, actually. My grandfather passed away and left um, left some money to his grandkids, $5,000. And the only requirement was that it be used for educational purposes. And um, I, I like wrote to whatever my aunt, who was like managing the dispersion of the capital, $5,000. And I said, I would like to create a memory out of this. And I'd like to pay for my brother and my father and myself and this meditation teacher to take us on a meditation journey together. Uh, yeah. And like I recorded these like iPhone videos. Because like somehow I had an iPhone, I guess, in 2010. I was rocking one as well. 2001. IPhone, 2011. iPhone 4. Yeah, it was like, it was the old one. The videos are so shit. Oh, they are. And I have this video of my dad on six. And it's just grass and sky. And he's up in the rough because, you know, that's where he tends to go. He hits a hook, so six was okay for him. So he was on the left side. And, you know, like this old iPhone can't like properly understand lighting and things like that. And so there's just like red filters and all this like shit coming in. Gen Z would think it was shot on film or something, you know? And I'm like recording as I'm walking, getting closer to him. And he's like up above me on this steep slope. And he says, uh, happy birthday. And uh, beautiful weather we're having. It was a beautiful day. And um, this idea of like stopping time as a superpower is maybe the most sentimental desire a person could have. And it's probably what I've spent most of my life trying to do. I don't want that superpower necessarily, but I think I've owned that skill <laughs> in my life. The idea of now when I remember memories they're actually just fragments of videos that have been recorded. And my father is still with us, sound as ever. But that feels like, <clears throat> you know, the picture I'll see yeah. forever. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm, there are so many pictures on my phone of just everyday life that if you were to look at them you would think that's nothing but you know my wife has stage four cancer that's spread to her brain and i don't know how long i have with her and so 
every time I get like one of those moments, just like looking around, sometimes you just look around and you're like, oh shit, my life is awesome. Like, it's just great. Like, I'm so happy and so full right now that I'll just snap a picture of it. And it's like little moments. Like last night we were watching Love is Blind on Netflix. And there's a couple of parts where people just have to sing to the other person through the wall. And so right before they start singing, we press pause and we all just, we both just start playing songs back and forth off our phones of like, what would be a terrible song for this person to play? <laughs> what would be an example? Oh, um, Sweet Home Alabama. Cause it was like, you know, a guy with a guitar and it was like, oh, what or Wonderwall Oasis, you know, it's one of those like, what's the worst song to play? But also like Angie came up with, uh, you know, a couple like ACTC songs or Kiss, like what's just, you know, coming up like the worst song to sing. And man, it was just one of those moments of like, this is the, I am living in the life right now. Like shit is terrible, but that doesn't matter because that's just what life is. And like, you can find these little moments where you're just like, man, my heart, you just look around and you're like, man, my heart is so full right now. And I, I snap pictures of those moments because don't know how long I have, but I can always look back on those. Are you a writer at all? No, I have been starting some starting some notebooks. I do want to write a some kind of like zine or you know a little thought collection book for um, you know caregivers um, because being a caregiver is it's very rewarding to help someone. And at the same time, it's also very stressful and very hard mentally. Um, and so, I, you know, there's not a lot out there for the caregiver side of cancer. You know, watching your best friend go through this stuff and having to care for him and realizing that a lot of the shit you can't help out with. Like, I can't do anything about cancer and I just have to be okay with that, you know. And so I do want to write a little book with some drawings of thoughts of just collections on what it's like to be a caregiver and you know, the thoughts I have and the way my thoughts have changed over the years. Uh, that's definitely something I want to write. Would you like the ability for people listening who would like to communicate with you, be able to connect with you? Absolutely. Okay. How would you like them to do that? I think reach out on Instagram, Austin Luke Adams, just like the city in my name. Easy. Um, I have some people in mind. That'd be great. Did you listen to our podcast with John C. McGinley? No, I have not. I've watched the I watched the video with him, okay. the Instagram or the YouTube video, but I haven't listened to that one yet. I'll send it to you afterwards. Yeah. Um, he talks a lot about the role of the caregiver and the blessing that it like um, implies. Um, what would the title of your autobiography be? live it for other people interesting where did you learn that just that's just how i live my life i've just kind of always no i think it's been really like i mean yes always like i'm always a helper like that's just my personality type is i am i love to help people and like it reflects in my personal life like i'm the guy i sleep with my phone on loud in case someone needs something in the middle of the night like i am Mr. Reliable, I'm like, oh, do you need a ride to the airport? Do you need dinner? Like, I just, I love to help people. And that's just kind of who I am. And I just think it makes life better to, you know, live life for other people. And I think really becoming a caregiver really, like, 
cleared that up for me of like, oh no, I actually enjoy this stuff. Like, even though it's really hard, like I enjoy helping people. It just, it's what kind of fills my heart, makes me feel good, you know, to make people happy. Do you believe in coincidence or fate? I definitely believe in destiny because um, I'll step up to a tee box and shank one left and then I'm going to tee another one up and I shank it left and that is destiny. I was supposed to go there, you know. Um, I just mean... I don't know if I believe in fate. I mean, I think we can... Because as you were describing who Luke is, live it for other people, I can't help but think about your primary relationship and how... You guys fit together. Yeah. It's like, you know, Angie's had a Angie's had a hard life. She's dated a lot of shitty people. And it's like we get together and we have three years together and things are perfect. And then she gets breast cancer, you know? And it's like, was that all this supposed to happen? Am I supposed to be the person that's here in her life at this time? And, you know, we talk about stuff like this often of like, is this how it's just supposed to be? What does she say? She feels the same way. And she's, we're more just sad that, you know, we've, we both found our person and then this is something that happens to us. But do you believe life is it? I think being happy here on earth is the most important thing. Huh. You know, whether our souls connect in the afterlife, whether there is an afterlife. I love shows about the afterlife. I'm not a religious person myself, but I do love shows about, you know, the afterlife. The Good Place is a great show. Um, I don't watch any shows about the afterlife. Not that I'm opposed to it. I just mostly into espionage content. That's fine. <laughs> Something with a huge conspiracy theory is really interesting to me. Ooh. Global structures collapsing. Now I know. Now I know what you're into. <laughs> Both are very infrastructurally based. There's a lot of rule sets. Celestial universe cel building. Celestial conspiracy. Underground to a certain degree. <laughs> but yeah, what what really matters for me is what I what I think is most important is like, are you happy in your lifetime here? When you look back at your mm -hmm. life, can you say that you were happy? Because if yes, then like, what else really matters at the end of the day? Like, if you had a happy life. What else can you ask for? Hmm. Like, if you're truly happy in your life. I don't know. I don't. What I mean, I, I, what's, what's going on? Talk me through what's going through your head. I mean, I wanted to ask you if you read Man's Search for Meaning. No, I have not. Have you heard of it? No. Um, it was written by a doctor named Viktor Frankl. And his experience in a concentration camp. And, you know, the ultimate thesis is that, similar to what you're saying, um, if a man or woman has a good enough why, they can overcome any how. And I took that. Um, I don't know what happiness is. I don't know that I feel happy and I don't know if I've exchanged happiness for motivation or intention or purpose. Um, maybe I'm just a dog who's happiest digging. 
but I just think uh, we might be describing the same thing. Yeah, I mean, happiness is really hard to just define, right? But you, it's one of those things of you know it when you feel it. Huh. Those little moments where you look around and you're like, oh, man, my life's awesome. Like, that's that's happiness. It's hard to define it. But, you know, you look around and you're just like, oh, I've got a good life. Yeah. Like, that's happy. Happiness is hard to define. Happy moments, possible to identify. The difference between happiness and contentment, vast to me. I think about the evening when we shot Golf Diary. And, you know, those Texas evenings in the winter when the sun is orange as it's going down. And it gets lighter after it gets dark, that afterglow. And we had finished hearing you tell your story, and we were just getting some pickup shots. And Luke was hitting a couple balls over the water on the eighth hole, I believe, the par three. 17? 17. Yeah, 17. Um, Same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we might have skipped ahead a little bit on the back nine. and I was very happy then. And happiness for me so often comes back to I feel like I'm doing something. In the moment, I feel like I'm doing something. And then contentment for me feels when I look around and I realize that something is particularly beautiful or special. But it's, it's, so, it's so hard to separate. Happiness is so often fleeting. accepted (laughs) good answer good answer i I like that i think i don't know if i would describe myself as very content well that's that i guess that would be my question yeah (laughs) i I feel similarly yeah i'd almost say i'm discontent (laughs) (laughs) but i also think myself i've never been happier in my life but like you i live for the game you know i'm happiest playing the game me too. It's my happy spot. And that's why I like, I've stopped slamming clubs. I've stopped getting pissed off at slow play. It's, it's, it's very similar to cancer in terms of like, you know, there's, there's a lot of grief in cancer and, you know, we get bad news. Like, you know, this treatment's stopped working, you know, the cancer is progressing, um, you know, what have you. And it's one of those things of like, we feel this grief but cancer has shortened my griefing period so much because it's not worth having that feeling. You know, it's one of those things of like, we get bad news and there are two days where we are just both down. And then there's this little spark that says in me that says like, okay, well, are you just going to sit here and be sad about this forever? Or are you going to enjoy the time you have? And that kind of gets me going back in the right mindset of like, let's love life. Let's enjoy it. And, then there'll be that little moment. Like I just talked about how it's like, I look around like, damn, I've got a good life. And that, that sets me off. And there's another one of those. And then all of a sudden I'm back to living this perfectly happy life and the grief has passed. And I've realized golf should be the same way. Like the golf course is one of my favorite places to be in the world. And why am I going to sit there and just let things bug me? Or why am I going to be unhappy out there? So if I hit a shot, I don't slam the club. If you know, there's people in front of me that are slow. I don't care, man. Like, I'm just happy to be out there. Yeah. Before we wrap up, um, what if you haven't seen the golf diary that we did with Luke? It, it's obviously linked in the description below this podcast. 
Luke's words were his own in that. And I think you are a terrific storyteller. And I do wonder if there's, you know, I, I wonder if there's opportunities for you to help tell other people's stories in the kind of diary. You know, if he is, would that ever be something you would ever want to do? I'd love to. I have a film degree that my parents paid half of that I don't get to use that often, so they'd be thrilled as well. Um, Who paid the other half? Me. Nice. Do you want to share what your mom, your mom, what your mom's feedback was? (laughs) So um, in the video we did, I I shared it with my parents, and uh, my mom gave me uh, somewhat of a compliment and said, "Wow, Luke, for the first time ever, I see you as a man." Which is weird. Yeah, Eric's giving me a look right now. Well, Abject just, confusion. I'm just so interested. What, what Did you ask for clarification? of What I, did she think you were before? I think, well, I think she just sees me as her son. Huh. And never as just like my own individual. You know, she always has that maternal connection. It's like, oh, that is my son. That is my son. And like, I think seeing me on camera outside of that life and seeing me tell that story, I think it really made her realize that like I'm a grown up adult and she raised a good person, you know? How did that make you feel? A little bit confused at first. I was like, is what? <laughs> was it um, verbal or over text? Yeah, no, it was verbal. She called you. She's watched it and called you. Oh, I, I showed it to him. I went over to their house. Oh, they live in Austin. Yeah, they live close by. They live like 15 minutes from me. So it's like, you said, here you go. Perfect mooching distance. And what did she say? She she loved it. And she was like, so sweet. And for the first time I see you as a man. I was like, well, all right. And but she I, explained it. What did she say? She, she did not explain it. I just kind of parsed that of like, I, I know what she means. You know, because you see your parents, for so long you see your parents as just your parents, you know. And when in reality, they're their own people that like, they all have their own hopes and dreams, ambitions. They all have the stuff they want to do. And I think she kind of saw that for me. Right crazy idea you mentioned luke essentially creating the next golf diary piece what if it's the chain mail yeah i see what you mean and then and then whoever luke you choose right we can make an email address that's golf diary at randomgolfclub.com and we can ask people to send in their stories and you can find one and select it and you know, it's not about holding the camera necessarily, but it's about, you know, what questions do you want to have with this person? What, 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 what do you want to know or hear in their letter to golf? And essentially, then we can go, like, perform the immaterial act of filming it, which is kind of basic, but ultimately the choice of which baton gets taken to the next I love that. runner. Yeah, I love that. Writer be great because everyone gets to put their their view on it let's do that so you're listening this is live this is real this is not this is a game that's real just email deergolf at randomgolfclub.com if you want to have luke read and share your letter to golf and we'll make a a film out of it because i think this is something that's really not done enough which is this idea of like hey like we don't reflect on things typically until it's too late we don't have the ability to pause time. But things like reflection, contentment, and happiness, those have that effect. And um, only the truly wise understand that. And usually wisdom comes out of pain.
That's true. And um, that's why I brought up Viktor Frankl. To imagine that kind of pain. Hmm. Um, uh, do you have any questions for me? I actually brought you guys a little gift. Really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was wondering why it, I was wondering why it smelled like that. He's in got here. a sense of humor. Since y'all are masochists that ask people to send y'all, I actually think nasty, he, dirty gloves. He just I brought wants in my a own. new glove. It's not uh, the crustiest glove I've ever it, seen. It's it's, uh, it's not terrible. I think Eric, I get, you're like, cr- you know what, Eric. So for those listening along at home, you just heard that little ASMR Eric for us. Yeah, there you go. You know what that is? You hear what that is? Yes, that is Eric's Velcro wallet opening. That's a t- that's a uh, no. There's nothing in it. This is a Titleist. I think this is a player's glove with the white. Titleist patch. Yeah, help yourself. You, you, any glove you hand Eric in the wild, he will put on. This thing feels good, man. It's a uh, Nike golf driver grip on there. Original. Yeah, I apricots, I raspberries, Sasquatch. Sasquatch. Pretty nice. It smells pretty neutral. You keep a clean environment. I can tell. I try to, and it only goes to the municipal courses because that's all I can afford you, to play. You don't have a lot of microbes going around. There's not a lot of uh, you know. There's not a lot of barbecue bacteria going on in here. This is a pretty clean glove. Um, you know, it looks like. How's my wear pattern strong, on there? You got a pretty strong grip. It looks like. Yeah. Is that true? Okay. Bingo. Hey, the, my grip's super strong <laughs> right now. It's been changed. Thank you, thank you to Eric for that. Okay, let's end on this. Um, favorite time travel movies. I'll go first, each of us. Um, time Bandits. Mm, interesting. Love Time Bandits. Oh, 100% Back to the Future. Oh, good choice. Okay. About Time. Classic. Watch One of your those, favorite movies. Watch those three. Send Golf Diary at random golf. Golf Diaries? Golf Diary. Golf Diary. Dear Golf? Golf Diary. Golf Diary. I already said it. At random. Is Dear Golf better, though? I like Golf Diary. Golf Diary. Dear Golf does sound like an email address, but Golf Diary is the name of the show. The Golf Diary. Golf Diary. What do you think, Luke? Do you care? I don't care. <laughs> he just doesn't care. All right, let's make it. Make a decision, Eric. What do you want? Make a decision. I know what you want. But make but make it. Make it. I think it's all about. It's called Golf Diary, but mm-hmm. the the mindset that you want to be in when writing this email is Dear Golf. So now I'm going to have to go back into the earlier part of the podcast and replace. So give me an ADR, send it to Dear Golf so I can place it back in the... Dear Golf Diary at Random Golf Club. <laughs> now we're just confusing them. Uh, Dear Golf. At Random Golf Club. <laughs> ADR. Dear Golf at randomgolfclub.com. Send them in. Yeah. And keep this whole fucking thing in. You know what? Just, just put... Uh, make two. <laughs> <laughs> They're like 10 bucks. Uh, G Suite, you can just make an alias and it's free. So make an alias. Listen, thanks. Thanks, Luke. <laughs> uh, email deergolf at randomgolfclub.com and hit up Luke Austin, Luke Adams on Instagram if you want to connect and talk about his caregiver project, which I'm excited to hear about. And um, gosh, I'm just so excited that um, we finally connected. I think it was years in the making that I was told your story by a friend we have in common. And, um, you know, you remind me why I started this fucking thing. And, uh, you know, stories connect people. Stories bring us together since the beginning of time. And uh, that's never been more true than right now, especially as we find ourselves isolated through devices and things like that. You know, I love 
I love the golf community and I love what random golf clubs done. And it's so great just to look out and like check a feed and just see, Oh shit, there's 50 people from Austin just meeting up. And it's, man, it's just so cool to see golf just have this community because everyone's out here for a different reason. And we're all just out here to have fun and, you know, be happy. Yeah. That's the goal. Thanks for listening, everyone. And Luke, thank you. Thank you.